And if you don't train them, friends, they're going to be whatever they want to be. Welcome to the Center for Generosity podcast. I'm Mitzi Schaefer, a consultant with GSB Fundraising and your host. On each episode, friends, we work to equip generosity leaders by tackling a single topic related to growing generosity. Together, we answer the three most critical questions for success. And usually, one of my colleagues is with me. But it seems that all of our outdoor ministry friends, our Lutherans, Presbyterians, and Methodists, all schedule their outdoor ministry conferences around the same time. And we are spread out all over the country um, during this month to make sure that we are participating and getting to know our friends there and helping them leading workshops and things like that. So I'm here by myself today. And the topic for today, we're in the middle of a series on crisis management. And so far in our series, you have heard from um, Ann Rick McFarland on risk assessment and how to do a risk assessment. Today is week two. And today we're going to talk about training procedures and who is in charge when a crisis happens. It's really easy to get head down into it and everybody gets so consumed with the crisis that we forget about all the other mission and work that we are supposed to be doing. So I actually get to take some liberties today because it is me, myself, and I. And what I want to do is really just answer two critical questions because the first question as posed in the title of today's episode is training, training procedures. And so I want to talk about when training starts and what you should be training all along. And then the second question that we're going to tackle is, like the title says, who's in charge? How do we, um, how do we stay in our lanes. That's one of the things we're gonna talk about today. So let's get started with training procedures. You know, training starts before a crisis happens. Now, if you're listening to this, if you Googled um, or searched crisis because your organization is in the midst of a crisis, Think about the training that you've been doing. Think about what you've been um, teaching and coaching and sharing with your folks and remind them of that. Lean on that. Help them remember who they are and what it is you're there to do. If you're not in the middle of a crisis, if you're hoping to prevent a crisis, then you need to evaluate your training procedures. Now, Some nonprofits are regulated by accreditation um, organizations like COA or the American Camp Association, but not all of them are. And so if you're regulated, your training procedures are laid out for you in order for you to maintain regulations and accreditation you have to train on certain procedures. It's best practice and it's what those organizations expect. But if you are not accredited or affiliated with a government organization that requires some specific level of training, it's up to you to decide what that is. 
Sometimes you need to think through what even the accreditation procedures are expecting of you and perhaps add a little bit more in order to be your best and do your best. So what kind of things should you be training on that are directly related to a crisis? Well, the truth is everything is. How you handle your financial procedures, that is a risk management issue. Um, if people are getting sloppy with money, if they're not turning receipts in, if they're holding money in a drawer, especially if you're in the development department and somebody goes traveling to talk to people and they hand them a check and then it just sort of lays around, that can create a crisis. It might be a small crisis with a particular donor, but it is a crisis. And so financial procedures are a big deal. How you report uh, how you're doing financially can um, present a picture, true or false, to your constituents. And so every thing can come back to risk. And so your training procedures in every single department are important. But some big ones do relate to risk. Most nonprofits deal with people somehow, right? They exist to serve people and people who need something, which means that sometimes they're not at their best when they come to you. So having boundaries and procedures about how you work with clients, um, do you get to be alone with clients? Do, do staff need to transport clients? What happens if they get in an accident? All sorts of pieces and parts to risk that need to be assessed. And so as you are looking at training for crisis, a part of the, the, the biggest chunk really of your training procedures are intended to prevent the crisis or to manage it when it happens. And so don't skimp on training. You know, it's really easy in an organization to get so focused on the minutia of the day to day. And oh, yes, we all have to gather for this training and everybody comes in and the attitude is like, oh, and, and if you as a leader are presenting that attitude, you're telling your staff that this doesn't matter, that they don't need to pay attention to it. And then you will be in crisis. Your leadership as the person who sets the tone for the organization to make sure that training and risk happens is critical. It is the very start to the success of any kind of risk procedures that you are working through. So um, you wanna talk about how to handle a, a wreck, how to handle a child or a camper or a client running away or getting explosive. Um, are you an organization that can put your hands on clients or not? Those kinds of um, things are really, really important. Um, how often can you give out food? What do you do if somebody um, needs more than what your boundaries um, or your limitations can handle? And they get volatile because they're concerned and scared and their emotions and their trauma um, come out. How do you handle and de-escalate those kinds of conversations and occurrences, because those are really the places where risk can often happen. Risk can also happen with family, 
with the family of your clients um, or your campers or those that you serve and care for. And so how do you manage confidentiality and what you can and can't tell them how they participate in whatever service it is that you're offering? How do you talk to the media? Who talks to the media? Now we're going to be talking with Anne and I are actually going to be talking um, on next week's episode about what you can say, as opposed to always concentrating on what you can't say, but it is important for people to have a message. It is important for them to feel like as staff and volunteers, they have the words that they need when they're asked about a situation so that they don't, they don't panic and take it on themselves and do harm without realizing it. Let's equip them to be their best and do their best. How do you handle confidentiality? That's a part of your risk. How do you document? Oh my goodness. Documenting is the most tedious part of any organization's work, but it is the most critical. I was just at a scout meeting with one of my kids this week and the scout leader said, um, he was talking to them about, about not um, finishing, like their community service hours aren't finished until the paperwork is turned in. Well, guess what? Your work isn't done as an organization until it's documented and the paperwork is turned in. And oftentimes that documentation will save an organization during a crisis. And so don't skimp on your documentation. Um, Encourage your employees to put time in every single day to document while things are fresh on their mind, have limits, time limits to when they need to turn those things in. And as supervisors, we want to train our supervisors to check on those things. So documentation is really, really critical. Evaluating um, on a consistent basis is also important. It's important um, to do that consistent evaluation, that risk assessment, like um, Anne talked about last week, but um, making sure that everybody understands that's a part of your culture. And then when do you call the authorities? When do you self-report if that's necessary based on something that's happened? Those are all critical as well. And then the last thing I think is important, and this really goes back to simple human resources and supervision and setting goals, but training staff and leadership to stay in their lane. So what do I mean by that? We all have a job. We all have job descriptions. We all have things that we are responsible for. And when a crisis happens, our brains start to focus on all the bad that can happen and our not so great skills come out. The, we, we stop thinking critically. We, um, we can often go into this panic mode where it makes it hard for us to react and make decisions. So what's important is if all along the way we're coaching and supervising and training our staff so they understand very clearly what their roles are, then that has a better chance of helping them fall into that pattern of behavior when a crisis happens. It helps them stay in their lane. Maybe one staff needs to be dealing with the press or with the authorities or with you know medical folks who are on site, first responders. 
But if everybody's trying to do that, then you've got other clients, maybe campers or children or adults who um, are vulnerable in some way who are unsupervised. And so one of the best risk management, crisis management tools you can do is to train your staff to stay in their lane. The other thing that does is it preserves everybody's energy and everybody's ability to handle their own emotions. When everybody knows what their job is, they can feel successful in a crisis instead of as failures because crisis is going to happen. We cannot completely avoid it. What we can do is manage it. So we want everybody to stay in their lane. And that really that really goes to answering our second question. And our second question is, who's in charge? Who is in charge? And who is in charge of the different pieces and parts of a crisis, right? There are people who are in charge of clients. There are people who are in charge of reporting. There are people who are in charge of greeting first responders when they come onto your property to handle whatever the situation is. There are people who are in charge of writing statements and putting that out. And again, back to your lanes, people need to know what their role is in a crisis. And I strongly encourage that you practice, practice it, run drills. I mean, my kids at school, oh my goodness, they have to run active shooter drills and fire drills and tornado drills. And the reason for those drills is so that in a crisis, they know what they're supposed to do. And when you're practicing drills, your clients should be included in that. They should know where to go, who to find, um, they will feel better and they will feel safer as well. So as you're dealing with crisis, um, if it is related to an accident or to behavior, um, those are all, those are all ways that you can talk about staying in your lane now. And, and by behavior, I guess I should say distinctly that I mean behavior for clients or for campers or for those that you serve. But what if it's staff behavior? What if you, um, what if they do something they're not supposed to? What if they begin to cause conflict inside of the organization that is creating turmoil and bad feelings? What happens there with the crisis is that everybody starts talking about it. And the crisis then becomes a not just an isolated incident, but it becomes an issue of reputation. And so when we talk about who's in charge there, oftentimes if that happens, the leadership, if it is a, a staff who um, is not in a leadership position, their supervisor or the leadership of the organization becomes the issue. But what if it is, um, what if it is leadership? that is the issue, then that's important for the board to be involved. So when we talk about training procedures, when we talk about 
everybody's role. It's also important to realize that the board has a role in that too. We did talk last um, series about board development and part of the board's role is governance, is setting policies and procedures. But oftentimes we find that boards just know that kind of like on the surface. They really don't understand what happens in the day-to-day. But folks who are on the leadership level of the board, folks who are responsible for the governance piece, really should kind of understand what will happen if there's a crisis. And that can be part of your orientation. It can be part of the training there so that they understand also. And that is is also the point where um, a great relationship between the board and leadership is critical so that the board understands their place, their lane, and leadership understands their lane. So what it boils down to when it comes to um, training procedures and who's in charge is knowing your role, knowing your lane as leadership and your responsibility as leadership to make sure that everybody on staff, top to bottom and board, understand their role and their lane and how to handle any kind of crisis that comes up, who you are going to be as an organization and how you're going to handle it. And if you don't train them, friends, they're going to be whatever they want to be. And that's not going to help you manage crisis at all. So that um, that is our sort of quick and dirty, keeping it real, uh, crisis management um, topic on training procedures and who's in charge. What I would suggest is action steps next is that you sit down with your leadership team and that you look at all the avenues of risk that are possible, write them down, throw them up on the board, um, figure out what they are, are, let everybody brainstorm, and then look at your procedures. How often are you training for each of those different things that could happen. And if you've got some gaps, then now's the time to be adding those. Once a year, twice a year, whatever it is. Um, And also check back with your accreditation organizations. Even if you're not accredited yet, or you're working on it, you have access to those accreditation standards if you go to the appropriate website for your type of service. So check those out, put them up, Decide who's going to be in charge of making sure that folks are trained and then add it to the calendar, develop the training, use the training from somewhere else, add it to the calendar and talk to the staff about how them knowing this information is not more for them to do, but instead it is you giving them every tool possible to maximize their toolbox, to be able to serve in the way that you serve. Okay. So that is today's episode, friend. Thanks for being here next week. um, Let's see next week. We're going to continue our crisis management series. And Anne and I are actually going to be talking about maintaining trust and transparency in a crisis. Um, it's, uh, it's a great episode. You all know that I adore Anne. I think she is fabulous and one of the smartest and, um, most amazing women that I know. And so I hope you'll come back and hear her next week. Um, 
thank you uh, for being here and for listening. And if you are getting something out of these podcasts, if you're enjoying them, um, share them with a friend. Let them know that we're out here um, as a new podcast. Um, You always want to make sure that the word is getting out, but we hope that you're finding them useful and that you are sharing um, because you're finding them useful and you want your um, friends and colleagues to know this information is out there and at their fingertips. If you want more information like this, if you want one-on-one support with a consultant um, from uh, GSB Fundraising, you can join our GSB Center for Generosity at centerforgenerosity.com. You'll find accountability, focus, tools, and plans to grow generosity to your organization. You have an impact, friends. Let's just make sure that the world knows about it so they can support it and give to it. If they don't know, they can't do that. And one of the things you'll learn in the Center for Generosity are the ways um, in which you can maximize sharing your story um, and uh, growing your annual fund and your support. With a monthly subscription to the center, you get exclusive access to regular roundtable discussions uh, with our consultants and access to them. You can schedule office hours with them to come in and talk to them about something that's going on in your organization and how to best handle it. Um, You will have ongoing access to documents and videos that train and outline best practices for CEOs, development officers, volunteers, and those really important board members. I don't think they get the credit that they deserve. It's a lot of work to be on a board if the board is engaged and they know what they're doing. You'll also have access to master classes. So join us, friends, at thecenterforgenerosity.com. We'd love to see you there. And until next week, uh, stay safe and manage that crisis well. Thanks. <laughs>